0: Hi, welcome to the morebusiness.com podcast, everyone. I'm joined today by Nick Jordan and talk about persistence. This guy will not give up. He has tried so many different things and he's actually bounced back from one adventure to another adventure and is being successful doing it. And I know one of the challenges that all of us face is that sometimes we just get hit hard by life and things happen and you think, what am I going to do next? That's the story for today. Nick, welcome to the
1: podcast. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I've been so pumped all week to to be here and share what I've learned. And hopefully it can help someone else push through the hard times you're dealing with. Now,
0: not everybody's familiar with your background. You and I had a chance to chat prior to this podcast. So maybe just take a moment and introduce the journey that you've been on so far.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I've been working on early stage startups for my entire career, starting at nineteen to, to thirty five. First in a sales capacity, and then at some point I realized, hey, as an entrepreneur, or one of the entrepreneur, sales I don't think is actually the best skill set. I think it's marketing. And so five years, I set off on this five year plan to learn marketing, so I could use it to go to market with my SaaS, and I'm in year six.
0: And, and that's, I think, probably the biggest thing is just you're learning it, but then you're also adapting what you learn. You'd mentioned to me, you, you your journey started in college and then didn't go all the way. And tell me more about all that. And then you started a fashion startup. And so what describe that part of the journey.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think in college, I realized at some point, my career options were either entrepreneur or become a criminal. <laughs> being an entrepreneur sounded right. a lot more fun. I ended up dropping out, starting a couple dinky startups that I really had no chance of going anywhere, but the hustle and the grit and the experience enabled me to get this job in an industry I didn't know existed for a role. I wasn't qualified. And I ended up working at incredible scale. We grew to 200 people in four years, bootstrapped by just making a ton of cash. I was running our strategic partnerships with Rackspace and GoDaddy and AT&T and Comcast and other peers around the world. Youngest person in every room I went into. And Outside of the CEO, probably the most cross-functional role in the organization. And there, I really learned how to do good work. But as I said, I realized that sales and enterprise biz dev, for me as an entrepreneur, wasn't the right fit to, to build a my own company.
0: A lot of companies try to grow through <clears throat> partnerships. And I know that, look, when I've built my companies, that was one of the fastest way to grow. But a lot of people don't know how to get started. And so you've done that. Employee number eight there over at the uh, Hacker News. Tell me, what. How did you start those relationships? Did you just pick up the phone and call? And if so, what did you say? Or were these relationships already built?
1: Yeah, so I met the founder at a Hacker News meetup and he liked me enough no. to give me a job offer. When I joined the company, we had customers in over 50 countries with over a thousand resellers basically wrapping our software around their services. And so my job was, all right, we have these IT consultants using us. How do we get the big boys, rackspace GoDaddy, AT&T? I think at the end of the four years, there. We had about 30 telco hosting partners, and I think our products touched maybe two to 5 million end users through those partners.
0: How did you get these partners? Rex Fish used to be one of my partners. And I'm happy to share the story, actually, of how I got them as a partner. I'd love to hear how you got them.
1: Yeah, so the CEO was ex-Microsoft, and he saw that Microsoft was doing a big push with Office 365, but didn't actually have a good way to onboard customers from Gmail or Exchange or all these other legacy mail servers. And so he built this really easy, cost-effective way to migrate data from one system to another. And we we had the best product in the space. We were down the street from Microsoft HQ. And so as Microsoft would close these Office 365 partnerships, they bring us in to enable the customer onboarding. And so I don't think there's any secret success except for like right place, right time, right product. And, and the founder had 10 years in the industry. That's
0: pretty good. So when I, ha- when I worked with Rackspace, I didn't know anybody there, but what I did know was that they do a lot of webinars. And so I, I know that one of the things they wanna do is help their resellers actually get a lot more customers to help basically resell Rackspace services. And so what I did is I reached out to their partnership team who was doing those webinars. And I said, look, I think I've got a webinar that will help you guys sell more. And it was all about training your t- your resellers to actually be able to sell more. And they thought it was a great idea. And next thing, we've got these wonderful webinars we're doing like every quarter. They even flew out to one of their conferences in Arizona and present presented to cool. a lot of their resellers. And it's literally you just pick up the phone and you just call somebody. I found that, wow, that no matter what stage you're in, you're always you're selling, whether you're the CEO or the biz dev person. Now, I know you said you like thought that wasn't the best career path for you because you're this budding entrepreneur. And I think a lot of people listening are feeling the same way. They're in a role that they're thinking, this is fine, but it's not where I really wanna be. And I need to make a change. So what was that aha moment? How did you say, I'm going to stop all this and I'm going to go for
1: it? Yeah, so after four years, the I think the catalyst for me leaving was burning out. It was unrelated to my ambitions as an entrepreneur. I thought I was going to IPO with the company. Uh, I was in it to win it and I was going to be there forever when I joined. And unfortunately, that turned out to not be the case. Towards the end, I wasn't learning anything. I closed 30 of these partnerships. I wasn't going to learn a lot more in the 31st. And yeah. so I think once the like service area for learning went away, then all the stress I'd been dealing with for the last four years become unbearable. When you're pushing and you're learning and you're improving and you're leveling up, you can deal with any amount of stress. But once you kind of level, the stress for me became overwhelming. And so I, I like took six months on a beach and I thought about what do I want to do next? And I'd been an entrepreneur for the five years before that company and I had intended to use that as a platform to build my own company. But as a 29-year-old, I just didn't have the confidence in myself to build an enterprise product and enterprise support team and enterprise legal team. And so this enterprise skill set I had accumulated, I don't think was going to serve me on the next stage of my journey. And so <clears throat> the way that I've looked at every opportunity for the last 15 years is whether it makes me rich or not, I'm going to learn the skills and meet the people to do something even bigger and higher impact next. And so I've always thought term. Long- and I said, Nick, I got to learn this marketing thing. One-to-one isn't its not high volume enough. I need to do one-to-many. I need to figure out this mm. marketing thing. And so I took a 75% pay cut from my high status tech job. And I started making minimum wage selling SEO services at a local SEO agency, because I knew that it was a consultative sale in order to successfully sell it. I have to learn it. And I ended up being very good at selling it. I ended up learning it. I ended up taking a couple of projects from zero to a hundred thousand organics a month and that Led to starting my agency, and then the agency led to bootstrapping some SaaS products, and it's working. Six yeah, into my five-year plan. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack
0: in just that short comment you just made. You had an agency, and that was cash flow because it was consulting work, and yeah. you're using that cash flow to create a product. So that's very common. That's actually how I started my very first one also, because you need cash. You need cash to live. You need to have teams to support. They need to live. So you need that cash to come in and without having venture backed money, which that can be a slippery slope for a lot of people also, because you don't own the company at that point, they're doing what someone else is telling you to do. So it takes away a bit of that independence, which is one of the reasons many people wanna start their company in the first place. So you've got an agency, you learn a new skill, And that's pretty critical also, right? Because I know that trained electrical engineer, I've made electronic circuits for years, worked on semiconductors, and I was like, this is just not fulfilling for me. And Uh I had to learn a new skill. And quite frankly, I graduated college a while back, so everything evolves. Uh, Even if I was still an electrical engineer, I would have to still learn so many new things. So this constant learning, I think, is just such a critical piece of anyone's success. Like never stop learning, never stop learning. So yeah.
1: Not only is it critical, but I think that's what ultimately draws me to entrepreneurship is the unlimited surface area for learning. I can jump in and out of every aspect of our company. I can take something nothing to as, as much fun as I've had with it and then hand it off to someone else and go learn something else. And I think ultimately entrepreneurship is a great vehicle for lifelong learner.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. So you've got an agency and then the aha moment of starting something in SaaS. Now, people always ask, what kind of business should I start? That's a really big question. It's something a lot of folks grapple with. How did you know? How did you know what to?
1: Yeah, I think I've heard Naval talk about uh, products market founder fit, a good idea for me, isn't a good idea for you, depending on our unique experiences and skill sets And the kind of our journey mm-hmm. over the prior time, but really it, as an SEO agency, I was known for being a good SEO and the most likely product that people would buy from me was an SEO product. And so that's what I built first. What was that product? So at my agency, we're known for this thing called content velocity, publishing hundreds of pages a month. And in order to actually deliver that service to clients, we had to do a whole bunch of keyword research. And so yeah. I ended up automating that process. And it turns out that it just, it wasn't just a good product for me. We have over 4,500 users. I think our coolest customer is Let's Deal, which I just saw a graph. And I guess they're one of the most, 10 or 15th most valuable companies, private companies in the last 10 years.
0: Well, that's pretty good. I know that keyword research is the biggest step in SEO. A lot of times people think, oh, I just need to write contact, but I'm gonna hire a writer and they say, I just saw this the other day, Hey, I want to hire a writer that knows SEO. And my experience yeah. has been a lot of writers don't know SEO. A lot of people, there's this confusion that, oh, I'll just stick a bunch of keywords into an article and that's it. And they don't even research what the keywords are. SEO is so much more than that. Here's, the, <laughs> so here's what more. I
1: like to say. Whenever a writer says that they know SEO, what they don't mean is that they have consistent processes to write content. What they actually mean is they've read a couple of Moz blogs and a couple Watched a couple of Neil Patel videos. Yeah, if they yeah. actually had systems and processes to consistently rank content, they wouldn't be a writer; they would be an SEO manager.
0: I know keyword research. You've got to use tools. You've got to figure out what's being searched on. You got to look at keyword difficulty, breadth, all that kind of stuff. So that's uh, that, those are pretty important things to know. So then on your journey now, you, you're how do you get the clients? So you 4,500 clients is pretty sizable uh, for any business. Uh, how did you wrap up to that? Yeah, 4,500 yeah.
1: customers. How did um, you get that? Yeah Going back to long term thinking, I did two things when I started the agency. The first is I started building my brand on social, LinkedIn, and Facebook specifically. And I have this whole kind of social funnel that allows me to attract attention, funnel it to my land, like thought leadership, and then convert people throughout the content. But I ended up generating over $100,000 in consulting revenue before we had a website. And (laughs) the reason is the brand. The second thing I did was build a community. So at actually I did this before the SaaS product. I didn't know what I was going to build, but I knew that whatever it was, I was going to build and sell it'd be easier if I had a community. And so I started funneling my audience into a Facebook group. And so when we launched, we already had this audience that trusted me as, is, is a high performer in the SEO world. And they wanted access to anything that I was doing, whether it's tools or processes or systems, they just want to replicate my results. And so it was a yeah. very easy sell because it was like, you want to like rank content and take projects from zero to 1.5 million organics a month. Like me, here's the tool stack. You can do it Hmm. now.
0: What, give me an example of what that process was like for social, because a lot of times people will post on social and they get paid, the the phrase, you get paid in likes. Yeah. (laughs) And likes aren't cash. And so how did you convert that to cash? So you're starting to post on social. Is there, what kind of process did you, to, to build your content, get the word out? Were there hashtags? Did you tag people? What was it that you did that generated, the impact that you did, which resulted in people reaching out to you and saying, Hey, here's my money.
1: Help me out. So likes aren't cash, likes aren't revenue, but I can attribute millions of dollars in consulting revenue and all of my SaaS revenue to social. A lot of people don't get it. You know, what LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter want to do is they want to keep you on the platform. So the more engaging your content is, the more they'll show it to your audience to keep them on the platform and keep them scrolling the news feed. And basically... If you look at my linkedin the headline is zero to 1.5 million organics a month that's a really impressive stat for anyone who knows seo there's not a lot of projects that make it so far and initially i started off creating just value on my newsfeed i spent a lot of time on the newsfeed creating value for other people sharing everything that i've learned ultimately just stepping back a second the strategy overall would be called do good work document that good work distribute the documentation and so it all starts off with being an expert in your craft and then documenting that and then distributing it. So I make all this noise on social, and the newsfeed. What I found is that the more you put into engaging on LinkedIn, the more engagement LinkedIn gives you back. And I just started getting all of these views and people would see the headline. They click into my profile. It's optimized to drive people to my case study on how I did that zero to 1.5 million organic a month project. And then in that case study, it's 7,000 words. It's like all of my most valuable information. And by the time you're done reading it, you're like, Nick's the best SEO in the world, and if I can't hire him, I at least got to use his tools Mm -hmm. and join his Facebook group. And so I get people on LinkedIn. I funnel them to Facebook group where I get their email. I funnel them to YouTube. And now I take people from one channel and I bring them to all my other channels. So regardless of where they're spending their time, they're gonna see me.
0: I love what you said about, I gave them my most valuable stuff because there's a lot of people that look like, oh, I'm a consultant. I'm very guarded about what I share. But honestly, I have found in the many years and the three companies that i built, which all went sold to public companies, if the more you give away, you're right. People will see that's the expert. That's the one I wanna use. <clears throat> and the line I like to use is show someone how to do something in excruciating detail and they will hire you to do it.
1: It's, it works so well.
0: Consistently. Happens. Yeah. It
1: takes a ton of time to create original content, but that three months of full-time effort I put into 20 pages of content three years ago has paid dividends. I haven't updated the content in three years. I don't even think about mm. it, but every single month, every single week, actually, I just looked at my stats. I'm getting an average of 14 inbound demos for just the consulting side, let alone the staff side every month from the That's content fantastic. I created three years ago.
0: Yeah. Look at that. If that's a lesson to learn right there, just spend time building up your content, set aside a weekend an afternoon and evening. If you're consulting during the day and just really get your material together. That's so really important. by
1: the time people speak to me, they've been following my content for months, if not years. And so they feel like they know me. They like trust me. They don't have a lot of questions around like how we're going to execute because they already know the process. They just want to talk to me and see if I'm as cool as I am on their LinkedIn, make sales really easy. So
0: in business, it's never a straight line. You took a 75% pay cut to restart your career. So you go up, you go down, you go up, you go down. And that's, yeah. that's been my it life. That is that's just all that's And especially if you're doing consulting, my gosh, sometimes it's just feast or famine. You're thinking, oh, oh yeah. my God, I have too much work to do. I can't even, can't even see my family. Sorry, everybody. I'm out. I'm not in for dinner tonight. And then other times you're just twiddling your thumbs thinking when's the next client gonna come in. (laughs) There is that, there is that. Which is why I love SaaS businesses because it makes your revenue flow a much more consistent thing. But nevertheless, you still have times when you wake up on a Tuesday morning and you're thinking, oh my God, what happened overnight? Something could put me out of business by next week. I've had that many times, lost Mm -hmm. a lot of sleep. And you're trying to keep a straight face on for your family, driving the kids to school in my case and all that. Tell me, give me an example of something that happened.
1: Yeah. I'm and there's probably a
0: hundred of them, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'll tell you about the yeah. biggest
1: and I'd say definitely the most challenging like year of my career. So we did hundred K first year, we did 500 K the second year in the consulting, did a million the third year, and then we lost 80% of that when. The client we took from zero to 1.5 million organics a month. And from seed stage to a $210 million valuation by a 16 canceled with 30 day notice and I didn't realize at the time how important the termination period was. I didn't realize I could get fired after doing such a good job and was still doing such a good job. And ultimately the reason they fired me was because they outgrew us. We were publishing 600 pages a month. They wanted to do 2000. And I simply mm. couldn't scale the agency past that. And after mm. waiting for us to do it for six months, they just terminated it. We lost 80% of our revenue in those 30 days. And that led to the worst year of my life. And oh I'm my just- God,
0: you're going from a million to, to 200. <laughs> and you've, probably, you've got staff at this point, so they still need to get paid. That's, I, that's even that's worse. A-
1: I just yeah. convinced my sister to quit a recruiting job at Amazon and move to Europe to help me grow Ugh. the team. And I had to terminate her and send her back to America. Oh and, my um,
0: God, that's so hard. <laughs> and
1: uh, I had to figure out how to take the agency from like basically a one-client agency into a multi-client agency. The tough thing about entrepreneurship, I was thinking about this, is that when if you're in a, I guess negative job environment, employees can leave. They could just quit and they can yeah. take a break. Maybe if they don't have a lot of money, they move back in with their mom or whatever, but they can at least And like that for me, wasn't an option. I had to put myself in this stressful, anxiety causing situation for the last year because there's too many people depending on me and I wouldn't have anything to go back to if I left it. I'm just coming off of that year. Things are like going great now, but it was a truly tough time.
0: That is tough. And you just try to think, oh my God, what's happening? Why is this happening to me? But there's a big lesson in here. And I know every time I've sold a company, the number one question and it happens very quickly is what percent of your revenue comes from your top 10 clients. And it is consistent every single time I've sold a company. That's the one I've been asked because they want to know how dependent are you? They know they're going to have attrition when they buy. you. They just don't know how much that's going to impact the revenue because that will affect your valuation. And I've seen situations where you've got two or three clients that comprise the bulk of your revenue and you, it's, that makes your company really hard to sell because there's too much inherent risk built into losing one customer for the exact reason that you just described. And I had a guest on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago, Von Thurman, same situation. He had two clients that comprised 60% of his revenue, both of them terminated within 30 days, and boy, Oof. he had to scramble. And he did the same thing though as you, like he persisted you do not give up. You're an entrepreneur. You get out there and you figure out what you're going to do next. So what happened, Nick? You got, you go from a million to 200,000. You have to fire your sister, send her back to America. Oh my God.
1: And now what happens? How did you get out of it? So I think the it's like definitely like a team effort. I had to make big layoffs. I had to just pound pound sales. I had to shift all my focus to sales, building that brand up and doing the activities that I knew would drive the revenue. At the same time the team had to figure out how to go from servicing one client which is one relationship and one strategy to onboarding and creating strategies and delivering strategies for multiple clients at the same time and so both me and the service delivery team had a lot to to figure out and i think with just enough reps they were able to figure it out and my brand was good enough where so there's two things one usually when agencies have major structural issues like that it's related to service delivery or there's some serious problems with the sales. Neither of those were true. Our team was our like killers. And then on the sales side, I had just been turning down deals. So I just started oh, no. going to the phone calls I had been rejecting because I was all in mm-hmm. on this one client and we were able to take back off. Uh, and the other really thing is you had a strong foundation.
0: Foundation and you were out there on social and your name brand was still out there. So you're right. Okay, so we're not gonna turn down clients as much. You're gonna start to build that back up but when you get knocked off the bicycle, you just get back on it. Underlying all this is inspiration, is drive. What inspires you? You What
1: drives you? Before we talk about inspiration, let's talk about a little bit why the worst year of my life. I've always had, I've been in this game for 15 years. I'm not like a million, I'm not million, millions and heirs. And so my entrepreneurial career has always been hard. Like I've Mm. always consistently struggled the entire time. And it was different this time because I had gone so far, and at least in my eyes, I had met the goals I set for myself 15 years ago as a 19-year-old. I had new goals at that point, but I at least hit the 19-year-old self's mm-hmm. goals. And so the, I think it's a lot different when I didn't want to bounce off a zero again. You mentioned that earlier. It's not a straight line. It's ups and downs. But at this point mm-hmm. in my career, I'm 35. I had achieved some sort of scale, some sort of success. And losing that felt a lot worse than struggling to get it to begin with.
0: That's t- so true. It rings so true. Yeah. Especially you've hit it. You hit that dream. And then. Yeah. 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 So that, that I think. It's emotionally very hard. It's emotionally very hard. You really rethink everything about yourself.
1: (laughs) Another thing that makes it tough is you have this idealized version of yourself in your head that after 15 years, I'm good at what I do. But ultimately the way entrepreneurs are judged by is by the points on the scoreboard and the scoreboard was looking real bad. And so to reconcile between these thoughts that I had about myself and the scoreboard being so poor, also very difficult for me.
0: Yeah. Look, there's going to be people listening to this and saying, yeah, I can relate to that because it's a fact of life. That's what happens in life. Nothing's all this wonderful, rosy story. And so what are the things that you did to come out of that? Because that could put you into depression really fast also.
1: Yeah, I was in a very negative mind space. I'm also out here in Europe where I don't have all a strong network. I just didn't invest the time into building strong relationships out here outside of my work. And it was tough. So I think there's a couple things that i did the first is taking action whenever i'm stressed out taking action always makes me feel better like i i despite the scoreboard i still believe that the best bet is always on myself every single time mm-hmm. and that yeah. i won't let myself down and so i just dove heads in into the things that needed to be done the second thing is i threw myself into fitness in life especially knowledge workers, especially entrepreneurs. like you said, the path isn't straight, but with fitness, you can see linear progress week over week. If your diet and your programming is dialed in, and that's the one area of my life where I could see consistent progress. And I think besides the physical benefits, the mental benefits are just, cannot be stated more clearly. Like it makes you feel so much better. It's hard to be anxious after you sweat for two hours.
0: It sure is. Yeah, exercise is definitely a big part of life. And for me, it's actually music also. Like a lot yeah. of people look at but behind my 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 chair is my drum set and I still play it every now and then. It's something I used to do since I was in 5th grade and I still love it. And just those types of things give me a, a bit of happiness in my life. in your answer, you did answer what inspires you and what drives you, but maybe you could elaborate on that. This is tough to bounce back from such a tough loss in revenue, a tough blow to what you're describing as your ego. Like, I'm here. I've quote unquote made it and then suddenly back down again and you have to restart and not start from scratch, but boy, you have to be scrappy, figure out ways to uh, survive and then get back to thriving. So what drives you?
1: I, I mentioned earlier, entrepreneurship provides unlimited service area for learning. I think I also have a lot of fun. I'm just like, I don't have hobbies. I have work and I like to do hard things with smart people and the people around me are absolutely incredible and they put up with my behavior and kind of emotional trauma i've been going through they recognized it i gave me a little space and they were high performers themselves and so they could pick up in the areas of the business where i wasn't performing at the level i needed to i think it's also having a big chip on your shoulder you have something to prove growing up i was in special ed classes due to severe adhd and behavioral issues and i think growing up i just didn't have a lot of people in my life we're pretty sure I was going to go down that criminal route I was talking about earlier. I just want to no. let my mom know she was right for betting on me and so my dad, he was wrong for telling me to get a job and all the teachers that, you know, all like giant chip. You know, that that's a driver because a lot of times people will think, oh my gosh, life isn't
0: working. I'll just go get a job. I'll just deal with it. And honestly, once you've bitten, been bitten by that entrepreneurial bug, that is hard to get rid of that. You can't get that out of your system. And, but having that thing, like, Oh, I got to prove something can do it. Something uh, like it sounds simple, but that can actually do it. That can push you forward. But what yeah, are the but, other sources of inspiration you have?
1: So we have learning, doing hard things with smart people, the giant chip on my shoulder. I think I was thinking about it. Even if I, if I knew 30 years from now, I could tell I, I never made any money with entrepreneurship. I think I'd still do it anyways, because I just have so much fun here. I think I'm unemployable. I can't do the nine to five and not care and clock out and not think about work 24 seven. So I, I just love the lifestyle. Like I just, I like pushing myself and the people around me to the limits of our capabilities.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that, Nick. Hey, so if we would summarize what you learned out of all this, you're continuing on your entrepreneur path. There's a lot of people that would be listening that could say, that's me. I want to start doing it, but I'm a little scared because of everything you just said that could happen because it's scary. And sometimes I wonder if I knew all that stuff that was about to unfold over the next 20 years of my life, my entrepreneurial career, would I have started? And I think back and I was like, yeah, I would have done it. I would have done it again. I'm in a much happier state. I feel like I'm not going to be retiring thinking I wish I would have. I should have. You did it. You tried it, and even though you get knocked down, you get back up and you just keep going. So, what are your key learnings? What would you summarize?
1: I really like when Naval Ravikant said that careers aren't measured in months or years; they're measured in decades. So, like everyone kind of starts their startup with the like thought, "I could get rich like super fast," and it doesn't happen that way. We're not Mark Zuckerberg. We're not Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. I read this study that the most successful entrepreneurs are in their probably early 40s. And it's yes. because they have the network, they have the skill set, they have the cash, they have the experience and kind of the level-headed mind to, to really be much more effective than they were while you're young. So that's, I think that's a big one.
0: That's a good one. And I know, so I worked as an engineer for eight years after college and I was, I was actually was still working as an engineer. I wanted to start a company. I think it was 27 years old. And I was like, I got to do this. And I look back on it and I think, I should have started sooner, actually, because I had that itch so long ago. I should have probably just maybe worked a couple of years and then started. But but nevertheless, the journey unfolded and I was happy and I did. I can tell you that the company, the second one that I started actually was significantly more stable because. I knew a lot. I was was older and I just, I knew a lot. I was still in my thirties actually when I started the second one, but I, but it definitely helped knowing where the potholes were to avoid. So we were able to scale significantly faster. So how can people reach you? I love your story. I love the fact that you're an expert at SEO. That's one of my bailiwicks too. I love SEO. I think honestly, it is one of the most underrated marketing tactics on the planet today was one of the most misunderstood and most underrated. <laughs> so It is. Uh, no
1: one can distribute your content better than Google. Yeah, It's literally impossible for you to do it. Google is just so effective at getting your content out the door. Before we yeah. recap, level off with where to find me, let's talk about very quickly. So just run through some lists of wins because there is, yeah. the, if you can pull through, you will get back on that horse and you'll resume the kind of trajectory that you're on. On the agency side, we're booked out until February. We have onboardings mm. every month and, with some really like incredible brands on the SaaS side we just hit year one of our launch of the second SaaS for this talent assessment platform we closed forbes forbes is a paying customer now ikea signed up mm. last week we have about 90 paid customers and i think something like 60 60k ARR. that's um,
0: great yeah that's great that's some pretty big brand names as your clients i love that and you can use that to build out your ideal client profile your icp and find more clients just like that. Yeah, so fantastic.
1: everything's looking good. Despite the impending recession, it seems like I'm back on the up ramp. So we'll see if I can hold that yeah. for the next two years until the next positive business cycle. Yeah, um, I love the quote, the only way to lose is to quit. And if you don't yeah. quit, you can't lose. Even if it sucks for multiple years, you're not, you didn't lose yet. Yeah, As long as you don't yeah.
0: quit. You remind me of something my old accountant used to tell me. And she'd always say, Raj, you're not doing so well financially here. You should really rethink what you're doing. And I'm like, It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We're going to get through this. Don't worry. And we did. And then years later, we're selling like the next company and stuff. And yeah, don't let the, like getting fallen off. Don't let falling off the bicycle keep you off the bicycle. So I'll leave you with one
1: more uh, painful antidote. Right before I was starting the agency that I grew to 1 million in three years, I was on a family vacation with my mom and we're coming back and I had $3,000 in my bank account. And I was like, mom, can I borrow 10K? And like... She said no, and uh, I just felt so sad. Man, I uh, like, um, this is going to be hard. This is going to be really hard. Yeah. Uh, she said no, and I made it work anyways. As long as you don't give up, you don't lose. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to tell people where to find me.
0: Yeah, so I have a quick, a quick story. Just like that, I remember I, I quit my full-time job. I proposed to my then-girlfriend, who's been my wife for a long time now, on the same weekend. Those are, I think there's some stat that there's five biggest stressors in your life and I did two of them on one weekend. Yeah. And yeah. we so eight months later, we get married, come back and my I'm overdrawn on my bank account. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, she's probably thinking I married this unemployed guy, former engineer, could have had a nice job. Now he's playing and, the drums. And now he's playing the drums, right? And his bank account is overdrawn, oh my gosh. So that was the start of my entrepreneurial career. And you oh. just do not give up. I'm like, okay, what do I got to do? And it's, I used to play basketball twice a week with my friends. And I was like, okay, I, that's got to stop for at least a while. I got to still stay fit, but I got to do my social activities. I wasn't going to the parties and all that. And I just buckled down. And for a solid year, I just worked with my tail off. And next thing you know, we're starting to build revenue. We're starting to get cash in. And then then things started to happen. But, uh, but never give up. Oh, what a story of persistence that you've got too. So thank you, Nick. How do people reach you?
1: Yeah, so if you're interested in SEO, uh, you can join our Facebook group. It's called Fat Graph Content Ops. We're all about graphs that go like this, not like this. Um, okay. You can find me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Nick from Seattle. And then you could check out workout.com. We publish all of our kind of SEO playbooks. On how you can replicate our success uh, for free.
0: Very good. Nick, thank you so much. I wish you continued success and hope to talk to you again soon.
1: Raj, thanks a lot. Man.